confidence in uh, what God's prepared today because first of all, uh, if you didn't notice, a lot of the songs today were about some things that we're going to talk about today and just that confidence that we can have in God and I'm already feeling like because I was singing those strong enough that I understand the breath in our lungs is from Him that I've already kind of gotten dried out from singing so loud. So I hope this goes well. You know how that goes, Pastor. It, you just pray that God will sur- help you survive through the entire thing. Um, I also have confidence enough to show that I can wear this as well as Pastor Josh. Um, see, so I've never worn something like this when I've preached in front of people before, but I can do it because I'm confident in God's message, that it's His message and not mine so you don't look at the deliverer. Um, but I felt comfortable in this today. You know, they preach this way in Fiji, where I got this from. This is the way they do it. So. I'm just fitting right in. Um, So I appreciate everyone here today. Um, Thank you guests for coming in as well today. Uh, Next week, I just want to remind you that we we do have one of our missionaries that we support, Tim Long, that will be coming in to present as well. The mission that he has is into the Middle East and that Egypt and that area there to people that are displaced. There's a letter downstairs. You can learn a little bit about their needs and, and them getting to the field, supporting them. Uh, So when he comes next week, be prepared uh, to ask questions, support, pray for them. It's exciting that we can have a part in that part of the world to represent God and his word. Uh, So prepare for that. I want to talk to you today about a God who is powerful and able to provide for you. Someone that you and I can boast about and be proud to serve. This God is not like any other gods. The gods of this world are powerless. They're weak. They're unable to give hope and truly to change anything. And we can make gods of all kinds of things. We've talked about this many times. We can make gods of people, can't we? Nations have done this for thousands of years. We can make gods of government placing our hope and trust that they will give us some kind of security and peace. Boy, that's a place to put your security. We can make gods of just about anything, including wood, stone, our work, sports. I like the Chiefs, but I'm not going to make that my life. Um, Nebraska. We're going to go see a Nebraska game here soon this fall. I know. That's, Jada's like, yes. So I've never been to a real college game like that. I come from Missouri S&T. We had a football team there, but it was football. Um, engineers don't generally play football, so uh, that'll be exciting. Um, we can make gods of community organizations social justice causes, all those types of things like that. Our society continues to push us to make God of the earth of itself, to protect it and give ourselves to it. What I find very curious is that we need to protect such a weak God as the earth. So what do I mean by making gods out of those things? We say this a lot when we preach. You hear it many times from this pulpit and others. What do we actually mean by making those gods? We look to them to make changes and provide us purpose and joy. The thing is, they can. They can make changes in our lives and society. They can provide us some type of purpose in our life. But it's only temporary. 
And it pulls us away from the one true God who created everything. Those gods pull us away from the one we should worship. The true God who created everything, sustains all things, and can change anything. So who is the God that you serve? I want to take us through Psalm 114. So if you're not there already, turn to Psalm 114 and show you the God that I serve. I want to give you a moment to get there and Psalm 114. We've gone through a number of them this summer. This one is kind of a combination of worship and, and prayer and thanksgiving all in one. Uh, Psalm 114 says this, When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judy became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. And the sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams and the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back? O mountains, that you skip like rams and O hills like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water and the flint into a spring of water. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that you provided this scripture for us today, the God we can turn to and learn from, God, that we can rejoice in you, that we see your power, that you are ultimately a God who provides and makes those changes that we need in our life. God, help us to read this today, to understand what you have for us, to seek what those changes are in our lives that need to be happening. Father, there's different things in each person's life here today. God, would you give those directions for us? Would you give us wisdom? Change our hearts, mold us. And Father, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing in this is that God redeems his people. And fits them into his family. You have some notes in your bulletin today. And I'm going to follow along with that. And, and you'll see some points in here we'll be making. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language, the psalmist is remembering that the nation of Israel had not always been like it was at that time that this was written. This people had been in a land where they were enslaved for years. There were numerous gods in this land of Egypt, and one of them was the Pharaoh himself who demanded that kind of worship to be a god to them, the one who provided. And they had become accustomed to it. This was their life. They were used to it. And you saw that in a lot of the language that they would use when they came out of that land, that they would ask again and again, well, we had a comfortable life there. Why don't we go back? They looked to, provide, uh, to Pharaoh to provide for them and give them purpose in life. But they were always going to be foreigners in that land, in a place they did not belong. They were not there. They did not fit in. The language was not theirs. Uh, they were separated. Never, they never quite fit in. Even in their early days in Egypt, they, they lived in their own area that had been allotted to them. And generations had been this way. This was the way that they lived. We live in short time spans. We don't understand. If you live your generations like this for hundreds of years, it becomes the way you know to live. When they left, it was a brand new beginning, and it was scary. This was something completely foreign to them. 
But at the right time, God redeemed the nation of Israel, his people, and showed his power in ways that had never been seen before. Impossible ways. You remember the stories of all of the things that God did in order to bring them out of this land. Moses said to the people in Exodus 14, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. This was right before they were going to cross over the Red Sea. He says, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Just stand still. So Egypt was not their home, and neither is this world our home. We're foreigners here. Do you ever feel you don't quite fit in? That's an honest question, isn't it? Sometimes we just don't feel like we quite belong. You have great families. You belong there. You have good, comfortable people around you. But do you ever feel like you just don't belong in this world? You go through here and you just wonder, this is just not, something's just not quite right. Well, there's a reason for that. First of all, as Christians, we're called to be ambassadors. And you know an ambassador comes from a different land. That's where they're from. We represent God in, in heaven. That's our home. My treasures are stored up in heaven. I'm anxious to go see them. That's where I belong. My hope is there. It's in heaven. That's my home. And before we came to Jesus, we were also strangers to God. We were slaves to sin, to society. We struggled to find purpose, and we gave ourselves to the way of the world, hoping for peace and those kinds of things. And then God changed us, and we had a new beginning, just as the nation of Israel. At the right time, God did the miraculous, and he redeemed us, gave us freedom. Paul said in Galatians 4, 3 through 5 that when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, we're no longer strangers to God, but we are strangers to this world. We still don't belong here. And so God gives us this purpose and peace. Just as the nation of Israel was brought out and they were strangers and foreigners, he brings us out of that and makes us his. We're no longer strangers to him. We were born again into his family, and now God reigns and resides in us. Verse 2 says, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his, his dominion. God chose Israel to be a blessing to the world. He promised to bless the world through Abraham, uh, choosing him to show his glory. And through the nation of Israel, Abraham's descendants, God would bring salvation to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. That was his promise. God even made a covenant with Abraham. And that covenant was passed down through generations through the people of Israel. In Exodus 19, it says, God told the people through Moses, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, and then you shall be a, a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The words God uses in both of these verses... Uh, Exodus 19, and in Psalm 114, his dominion, 
his kingdom, a sanctuary. These are a reflection of his unchallenged power and right to rule. Unchallenged. There is no one like him. He also calls God his sanctuary in here. And it says in Exodus 19, 5, that God calls them his priests and a holy nation. Um, his purpose in this is not to just rule a people, to take them out and make them his to rule them as a king would, but to set them apart as a holy and redeemed nation. A sanctuary is a place that you come with reverence, knowing there's something different here. This is something unique. This is, this is not just another place and not just another people with another God like around them, but something completely dedicated to God, God who is over all creation. This is God's people, his sanctuary. God is not to be trifled with. He is the great I am who stands forever and ever. He is the one true God. That is the God that you and I serve, the one true God. This is who redeemed us. This is who redeemed the nation of Israel. And that same God chose you. The Holy Spirit of God drew us to him, just like God chose the nation of Israel. You and I, you and I, we would not choose to follow God on our own. Do you realize that? It's not in us to do that. We would not follow him on our own because of our sin nature pulls us away. That's what we are driven to. He instead moves us to him. His Holy Spirit draws us to him and he chooses to make us his own. Praise God for that, amen? That is his choice. He's blessed us and in turn, he blesses those around us, just like the nation of Israel. When we recognize that we had not been following the one true God, we turn to him confessing that we're sinners in need, unholy, and we saw that Jesus is the only way to enter his holy presence. When we did that, we united with the God of creation. And we became his sanctuary. And he lives through us forever. I could stop there. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing message that God's chosen you and me to be his own. Galatians 4, 6 says this, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And Paul said, God who made the world and everything in it does not dwell in temples made with hands. And we are his temple, his sanctuary now. I'm set apart. You are set apart as a holy and redeemed person. And he did not come just to, to rule me and to make me his servant and his subject. He wanted me in his family, and he wanted to help me to grow and sanctify me and make me a blessing to those around me, my family, my friends, you. There's purpose. When he set us apart like this, he didn't just do it for his own glory, but he wanted us to be servants and to love each other and to bless each other through that. That's our God. And this didn't happen without some struggle, did it? 
without some of his sovereign hand moving the events in our lives. And the nation of Israel was no different. God did the impossible. In verse 3 and 4, the, the sea looked and fled. The Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped. All these imageries. When the people of Israel neared the Red Sea to leave Egypt, the waters moved away. Not at the sight of this ragtag bunch of people that came up here and stood at the side of the water and waited. The sea was moved by the power of its creator. It obeyed him. And when they came into the, into the land, he promised, the Jordan River stood still under his hand to let the people pass over. So it, it wasn't the hand of Moses that Ma Moses ha held out his hand and the, and the waters parted. Do you think Moses' hand did the work? No. That was nothing to do with Moses. His obedience, yes, but God himself was the one who moved the waters. And the ark, when the priests stood at the edge and they walked into the waters of the Jordan, it wasn't because they stood there that the waters stopped flowing in the Jordan. It was because God had stopped the waters and caused them to flow back. That's God's power. And his power to change and move creation, to redeem the people he loves and give them new life, he provided a way for his people to enter that land. He always provides. That's the God I serve. And just as the sea and the river were parted to take them from the life they knew in bondage and begin to make them into his dominion, his sanctuary, God did the same thing for us. He moved heaven and earth to bring you to him. He provided a way for you to get to God. Do you remember how you finally came to Jesus Christ? Think back for just a moment. Think of all the things that came about because someone gave you a message. Someone brought you to Sunday school. Someone did something in your life. All these different events throughout your life. Do you think that all of that is any more or less miraculous than God stopping the Red Sea or the waters of the Jordan. It's the same God. It's the same miracle that God provided you a way to get to him through the cross. And all of those events of your life, the people you know, the grandmother, the friend, whoever that was in your life, be thankful. Praise God that they did that for you. Now in turn, we get to do that for someone else. And God uses us as the way to him. What a marvelous and mighty God that we serve. Amen? What a mighty God. Whew. Well, now we know what he can do and remember what he's done for us. Now we can boast in this. Verses 5 and 6, you look at this and it's kind of funny, right? This is a pause in this. It says, what ails you, O sea, that you flee, and O Jordan, that you turn back? O oh, mountains that you skip like rams, O oh, hills like lambs. It's kind of a poke at it all. The writer is so thrilled by the power of God shown for his people that he has a little fun with everything opposing him. And scripture is like that sometimes. You can find little funny things throughout it. Everybody's, you know, boring scripture and you read through it stuff. And I, you know, I challenge you this, keep reading because there's some, some very poignant things in there, some very funny things that happen in scripture. This is one of those. Of course, the waters and the hills have no personality to truly respond, but the imagery shows something here. It shows that confidence, just like me being confident in my shirt today. It's that confidence in the God that he serves. In a response to God's hand trampling the enemies of the people, Psalm 44, 8 says this, In God 
we boast all day long and praise your name forever. When Elijah challenged the 450 prophets, you remember the story, the prophets of Baal, to what I would describe as, as a kind of a duel. Let's see what your God can do, kind of thing. And he's all alone, and he challenged them to do the impossible. He said, I want you to show me that your God can burn this sacrifice right here. You can't touch it. And the 450 prophets are around, they're dancing, they're singing, they're cutting themselves and bleeding and panting, and nothing happens. And they had to have been panicked that absolutely nothing happens from their God, Baal, to do this. And Elijah just mocks them a little bit and says, you serve such a weak God. And that in itself is amazing that God gave us that moment in Scripture. We don't serve a weak God. That's not ours. Our God is worth boasting about. Our salvation is worth proclaiming. I've learned one of the greatest things you can do as a testimony is to have yourself give God the credit for all that he's done for you. Just to boast in him. That's one of the greatest testimonies you can have. If God provides you healing, if, if Lori, your sister, is healed because of God himself, let's just give him the praise for that. Yes, God uses doctors and nurses and medication, but those happen without the hand of God? No. God is in that. You got a new job, something that's just out of the blue, something that provided for you and you did not expect it. That was God. Let's give God the credit. It's one of the greatest testimonies you can do to boast in your God. My God did that. No other God can do that. I'm proud to serve God. Are you proud? The book of Romans says, and, and I say to you, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. There is no other God like him. There is no other God can do what he does. The gods of this world are weak. They will ultimately leave you empty. They'll leave people wondering, is that all there is in this life? Not my God. My God is so much more. Under his hand, he causes the earth to tremble. In verse 7, it says, Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God of Jacob. God is announcing himself to the world, and it proclaims him in his glory. You know, there is a response that the world needs to knowing the might of God. There is a response. And it proclaims him in his glory. There is a... Um, think of it this way. When the boss calls you into the office and says, we need to talk, you can bet there's going to be some trembling in his presence because you know he has the authority to end your job. There's, there's something under that. And when God is present, his authority should cause us to tremble. Though much of the world does not tremble at his name right now, everyone will. For the Bible says in Isaiah 8, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. And some will tremble in worry, in panic, 
and in terror because they have no hope. When they see God coming, that's what they will have. A moment of terror. For those who are not his will see God's wrath. It's true. And others of us, when we see God, will tremble in awe and joy with great hope and expectation for those who know him and are his, we'll see God's eternal love forevermore. And we tremble not because of true fear, but because of the awe of the God I serve. We sang the song earlier, How Great Thou Art, and, and that's the song that, we, that has so much depth in there. Um, and then the writer pens these words, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? And then I shall bow in humble adoration and then proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Those are the words that we can say as believers in Jesus Christ because we know the God of glory. Verse 8 says this, God provides an everlasting water. Um, he turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. As this enormous nation of Israel moves through the wilderness, they had to rely completely on the provision of God. What they lacked, he always provided. He gave them everything they needed for their daily living. And once even in what they were at the Mount of Mount Horeb and in dire thirst for three days, they had no water here. God had Moses strike a rock and the water poured out. And to everyone, including me, and I think to you, if you think about it for just a minute, you take your rock and you take your stick and, and just go out there later today and try to see if you can get rock to spew out water. See if that works for you. That's impossible. For every honest person, that's an impossible thing that God did. But God did it. And my God delights in doing the impossible. That's exactly where he lives. He loves to do that because he shows his very glory through that. He provided for every single thing they needed because he cared for them. And then he went one step further to show it could only be him. That's the only way it could have happened. Remember those times in your own lives when only God could have done it. That's the only avenue. Maybe you've been at the end of your abilities. Maybe you turned to him, you cried out to him. Something was going on in your life that, that you were just at the end. Whether it was some health issues, something's going on at your, at your work and your family, some kids you're struggling with, and God provided it in a way that you did not expect. It was, it was only him. God delights in doing those kinds of things where it could only be him. He can make water pour out from rock. He can change a heart of stone and provide that life-giving water of Jesus Christ. John 7.37 says this if, in, in Jesus' words, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. 
that fresh living water. Did you see the rain this morning? Wasn't that good? I just saw the shower out here, and thankfully I just watered my garden last night really well, so it rained. Uh, if you watered your car, you know, it's really going to rain a lot, so be careful there. We're going to have a flood. But just that freshness of the water he provides, God is that living, refreshing water. John 4 describes an event where Jesus met a Samaritan woman along the way at a well. She learned a little bit about who Jesus really was. During that conversation with her, he said, whoever drinks of this water, meaning the water of this well, will thirst again. You will have to come back here again. But whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst again. It will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's the water I offer you, and I offer that to you today as well. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is the God I serve. The Jesus I serve is that fountain of living, refreshing water forevermore. When we think back to all the things that God's done for us, how he chose you, how he chose me, and maybe into his family, he moved the mountains to take you out of the life that you were in, from a life slaving to sin. When you think about that and how he put you into his own family, took you and adopted you into his own family, to be holy, to be his, all those impossible things, changing a heart of stone, do you realize God changes hearts? We can't but boast a little bit and say, my God, how great you are. This is the God we serve. The writer of the psalm here expresses that in a way that you can go through this again and again and boast how God has saved you. Give God the glory and the credit for the things he's done for you. So just some things to think about this week. Do I tremble in joy when I think of God and the God I serve who created me and everything? Do I think of him as the one that I am in awe of because of all that he has done for me and that he will do for me? When I come to him, do I think of him in that idea? Is he the one I tremble because I know he can do this? Or do I tremble in panic and in terror because I don't know truly what God is like and I'm just scared of what he can do? If you're undecided about that, let's talk. If you've never understood what it means to tremble, these scriptures show us this is the God that I serve. And I can say, honestly, the God I serve can do anything, the impossible. He owns everything. It's all his. Do I tremble in joy or panic when I think of the almighty God? How can I change my reaction to all the things going around me, the trials, maybe the difficulties of your life, knowing my own God's power to provide? Remember, he can provide all these different things at the right time in the right place. Do I, do I react in a way that starts to trust other things? Again, 
Do I turn to myself and I try to fix it myself? Do I try to find other people? Again, that's where we start to look to other things and make them our gods to provide for us and to change things. If I'm struggling with someone in the family and I don't know what to do, what's my reaction? How do I respond to that? Do I remember that I serve a God who can do anything? We've been praying for a lot of people and a lot of your families who've either moved away from God, who've never gotten there, who have hearts that are just turned away from Him. And we can get into the situation and worry, well, what will happen? Well, we have a God who can change hearts. He's done that for you and for me. So let's continue to pray for them. God can do the seemingly impossible with people that have that. And third, how do I boast about my, what my Savior is like? Do I boast in my Savior and what He's done? Do I give God the credit for the answers to prayer that I've seen? We talked a little bit earlier about some of the prayers and the prayer requests that, that some of you bring to us, and, and thank you for that. Continue to bring those prayer requests. We come in on Wednesday nights and we pray for those things. Um, we pray for each other because we believe that God can do something. We don't pray just because it makes us feel better. That's not why we do that. I, honestly, if I did that, I, what's the point? I believe it. I honestly believe that God can do something with these situations. You ask me to pray for someone who's, who's going through some struggles uh, physically. If I go before God with that unbelieving heart, yes, God can still do that. But look, my God can do it. My God can heal them. He can take them out of those circumstances. He can do what he wants. He can choose to. He can choose not to. But my God can do anything. So continue to pray for people. Continue to go before them, before God, and, and ask God to do what you think is impossible. Amen. I'm so encouraged by just what God's provided for us in Scripture today. I went into this not knowing what it would be like, and I have been encouraged by the Psalm 114. It's a tremendous reminder of God's power, His provision for us, and our ability to just reflect and, and honor Him and be thankful for what He can do for us. Let's do that. Let's pray. Our Father, we are indeed in awe of such a great and mighty God that we can call Father because we are in your family. Um, remind us, Father, when we fail and we try to follow other things and make them our gods, make them idols. But they are weak and they are not the one we should go to. God, help us to come to you and then rejoice when you provide for us. God, help us to just boast in you, such a great God, to give you credit for all those things you've done for us. God, help us to be uh, faithful to you, to pray for each other, to believe that you are a God who can do the impossible.
for those we've been praying for for quite a long time, for their hearts to change and to follow you. God, we continue to do that. Lord, I know there's a lot of people and families here today that are like that. And, and God, we, we will just continue to believe that you will do the impossible and change their hearts. Lead people to them. Um, bring your word alive to them. And they will rejoice when they come to you. God, for those who are still struggling in their own, just their, their daily life to believe and trust in you, who may have just faltered in their walk with you. God, it's my prayer today, Lord, that they would just see afresh how such a mighty God that we have. There is no other one like you. There is no other. I thank you for salvation through the person of Jesus Christ who, who came and died on a cross to do the impossible to take away our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And through him, we have salvation and a life with you forevermore in heaven. God, we look forward to that day and, and just rejoice, God, that you provided a way for us. For those who today may have just not even found God, God, just work on their hearts today just start that process in their hearts to see that there is only one true God. Thank you, Father, for today, and I pray that you would help us to see these things. In Jesus' name, 